Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome into episode 122 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. On the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about burnout. And we're going to talk about exhaustion, fatigue, you know, that complete depletion of energy. You know, quite often we find that people who suffer burnout maybe retire early or possibly even transition into a completely different career. And we've seen this more and more and more over the last two or three years. And my guest on the show today, John Miles, is an absolute expert in this particular area. You see, John himself is a recovering corporate executive and has now become a leading authority on intentional behavior change, personal growth, and mattering. John's a keynote speaker. He's an author. He's the founder and CEO of Passion Struck and has an award-winning podcast, Passion Struck with John R. Miles, that consistently ranks among the world's top 100 shows and is the number one alternative health podcast. I'm a listener. I'm a fan. I absolutely love John's work. John has a brand new book out also called Passion Struck, 12 Powerful Principles to Unlock Your Purpose and Ignite Your Most Intentional Life. John and I sat down recently and he walked me through the 12 steps to unlocking that intentional life. It's a fantastic conversation and I really appreciate how John describes his journey and how he has turned that into this incredible passion for just simply helping others live that passion-struck life in every facet. His story, just like his show, is an inspiring journey towards significance and I can't wait for you to hear it. You're going to get it all right on the other side of this. Hello, middle-level educators. Are you looking for a nationwide type of conference at the fraction of the cost? The North Carolina Association for Middle-Level Education welcomes you to Charlotte, North Carolina, March 24th through the 26th for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference. My name is David James, NCMLE Marketing and Conference Director, and I want to personally invite you to our annual conference. You will not want to miss our keynote and featured speakers that lead over 120 middle-specific teaching and learning sessions. Our featured speaker lineup includes EDU experts from across the country, such as principal and leadership expert Baruti Kefele, Charles Williams, LaQuanta Nelson, Zach Bowermaster, and the host of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, Dr. Darren Peppard. The NCMLE Inspire Conference is for everyone. Go to ncmle.org to register your team for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference today. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. So I think some of you who are regular listeners to the show have heard me describe myself as a recovering high school principal, Uh, meaning specifically that certainly being a high school principal was an incredible experience and, and in many ways it helped to define my career, but it also came with a little bit of burnout and came with a little bit of exhaustion and ultimately led me to a place where I needed to reinvent myself. 
Now, today on the show, my guest is John Miles, and John is the author of a brand new book that just released called Passion Struck. And John is also um, an individual who has faced burnout, has gone through the challenge of reinventing himself, found a way to create his ideal self, and also um, has, has been through that recovery from burnout as a recovering corporate executive. John, welcome into Leaning Into Leadership. Aaron, I am so excited to be here, and I absolutely love the audience of this podcast and cannot wait to serve them. So thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, excited for this conversation and really stoked about your brand new book that, that just dropped, Passion Struck. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. We're going to talk um, about all of the behavioral science that, that went into developing that, that system, that, that structure uh, that is passion struck. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about your podcast, um, and and who knows wherever else you know we might go with this conversation. But before we do that, John, maybe reorient uh, my listeners a little bit, uh, jump in the wayback machine to as far back as you would like to go, and give them a little background on who John Miles is. Yeah, thank you for introducing it that way. I I think since we're talking to educators, um, I grew up in. Pennsylvania. I went to parochial school my entire childhood and graduated from York Catholic University. And at the point of graduation, I had one of my biggest decisions I ever had to make. Um, everyone in my family, grandparents, parents, had gone to the University of Michigan. It was where I had always thought I was going to go, and I got accepted. But I had always had this burning desire to be a leader. And both my father and my grandfather were military veterans. And when I got the appointment to go to the Naval Academy, it just was too big an honor to pass up. And so I ended up making that decision for those two reasons. And because I really wanted to give back to my country and I felt this was the way to do it. Plus it would be a great launch into the professional world for me. And I had a great time in the military and actually got out to become a special agent in the FBI. And sometimes life throws you curveballs, and that's what happened to me. About three or four days before I was supposed to report to Quantico, Congress, uh, unfortunately, was going through the same type of things we've been experiencing, couldn't pass the budget, and my class got recycled. And this led me on a complete journey that I never anticipated I would make at that point in my life, and that was into the corporate world. So I took a position uh, with Booz Allen, a management consulting firm similar to McKenzie or Bain. And from there, went to Arthur Anderson, uh, where I was the practice leader for the Southwest region. And another curveball hit me um, with Enron and Arthur Anderson going out of business. And I did another pivot, which resulted in going into uh, Fortune 50 companies uh, I started out as a chief information security officer, ended up uh, about 10 years later as the as a chief information officer at Dell. And then the last portion of my professional career, I pivoted into the private equity world and culminated as an operating partner in a private equity firm and also as the COO or CEO of various portfolio companies. Um, in their portfolio. 
So that, that was kind of my backstory. So as you said, you're a recovering principal, I'm a recovering senior executive. But uh, along that journey, I definitely experienced burnout, uh, but also have figured out uh, how to reinvent myself now into this path of uh, forming a company called Passions. So uh, that that leads to just a really interesting follow up question. Um, you know, we're we're in a time right now where so many people uh, post pandemic have reinvented themselves. They've they've pivoted and gone in a different direction away from you know a career that they had been in for a considerable length of time. And you know, when when we reflect back to you know our parents, our grandparents. It, typically, you, you chose a career and you stayed there until you retired, whether you stayed in the same place or, you know, stayed within the same field. But it's something that is so much more common now that people are truly, to, to steal a word from you, chasing their passions. Um, I'm curious, what was what was some of the mind shift for you? What were some of the, the things that went through, you know, your process of going from being, you know, in in the senior executive world and moving now to a place where you host consistently the number one podcast in alternative health. That those two don't jive. So how did that happen? So Darren, it's kind of funny. I'm laughing because over the past uh, couple of weeks, I've been on. Uh, two other podcasts uh, from hosts who are actually psychiatrists or physicians who are in the alternative health podcast area. And they, they asked me the same question. And I would have told you 10 years ago, I would have never, ever saw myself even being a podcaster. But to say that I would be in the health category would have been even more amazing to me. And I think it all stemmed with my journey to becoming who I am today. And I remember while I was an executive and going through burnout, I happened to make the decision to go seek therapy. And the person I went to was a psychologist, but he was also a career coach. And so it was great because I got a bit of both. And typical as you do when you go see a, a therapist or a career coach, your first few uh, meetings they're trying to get a baseline for you and we did that and i remember about the fourth one he said i want you to do this visualization exercise and he goes i want you close your eyes and imagine you walking into your kitchen and there's a stool imagine yourself sitting on the stool and he goes now i want to want you to picture your that that stool has one major support and for you it's become the constant grind and that's permeating every aspect of your life. He goes, what do you think is going to happen? I go, well, it's already crumpling underneath me. It's eventually going to topple over and nothing's going to catch me. And he goes, precisely. And he goes, now I want you to think about, there's this philosophy in, called self-discrepancy uh, theory, where you have your actual self, which is who you are today, your odd self, which is who we think we should be, and your ideal self, which is who we could become. And he said, right now, you have firmly gotten into your odd self, and I want you to picture your ideal self. And now rethink about that bar stool and the pillars that are supporting it. And I now want you to think of your life having multiple pillars. And these could be whatever 
anyone who's listening wants them to be. But I decided that for, for myself, I wanted them to be physical health, mental health, spiritual health, emotional health, relationship health, and to a lesser degree, career health, because I knew if the rest of the pillars were firm, then the career one would be as well. And when I started to reorient myself that way, I started to really study um, what was causing some of the cognitive issues I was facing, what was causing memory issues that I was facing, facing at that time. And it, so it led me about a decade ago to start doing this deep dive exploration into health and wellness and then into behavior science and positive psychology. So through that next decade, I did a ton of me search, um, research on myself and yeah, I love that. continue to just study and learn about uh, how do you incrementally make each one of these areas of your life better. Uh, and to me, that's what kind of led me down this path to then really looking at alternative health and a lot of the approaches that I've now taken to life. Because even if you're looking at your physical health and you want longer longevity or longer health span, it still comes down to behavior science because it's all about the intentional choices that you're making every single day that culminate in influencing that longevity or health span. I just think that's just fascinating. Um, you know, um, I, I also went through, you know, that, that same thing. We talked about burnout and, uh, you know, I left my principalship actually to become a, a, a superintendent. So let's, you know, essentially in, in C-suite equation, that's, that's moving from middle management into, you know, being the CEO essentially of a school district. And that just intensified the burnout more than, than it, than it did alleviate, you know, the, the challenges I was faced in, in that particular role. It actually, I think just intensified it. And I certainly had, you know, a breaking point in there as well. I hadn't really thought about it uh, near the way that you just described that and, and digging deep into, you know, the different versions of yourself. Um, I know I know in, in Passion Struck, you really are working hard to help your reader identify and become their ideal self. Let, let's maybe talk a little bit more about the ideal self. And, and you had actually told me at a point that putting this book together um, and focusing on ideal self really was more about your children than it was about you. So let's, let's maybe talk a little bit more about that ideal self and kind of how that led to development of Passion Struck. I would love to. Yes, I dedicated the, the book to my two kids, uh, Olivia, who just had a birthday yesterday, uh, and my my son. Uh, at the time when I first started writing this, Olivia was a junior in high school and my son uh, was a senior in college. And now she's a sophomore in college and, and he's obviously moved on from college, uh, about ready to start a master's program. But I was constantly thinking about my father has never really laid out a legacy for me or given me the long-term tools to say for how do you create the life that you want to live and i thought i had this opportunity to do that for my kids but really to try to help anyone right now who felt stuck who felt like i did and so it really started with me looking at two kind of different groups 
these next generations who are entering the workforce. And if I could go back and tell my 20 something old self, the keys to crafting the life that you want, it would be to read this book, or it could be someone who's stuck like I was. And the more I do research on this, I don't think I'm the only person who felt this way. You felt it. And if you look at uh, what Gartner is putting out, it's unbelievable. There are 900 million people in 142 countries who feel unfulfilled in what they do. And so to me, it really speaks to what Henry David Thoreau called quiet desperation that so many find ourselves in. Because what ends up happening, I know what happened for me, is that I ended up on this path that I never intended to be on. I thought I was going to do this career service, become an FBI agent. I ended up becoming this career executive, and I found as that progressed, I was being drawn to success for the wrong reasons. It started to become to make more money, to have the bigger title, to have the bigger house, the nicer career whatever, but it was like the more senior I got, the less fulfilled I felt. And to me, it's something that I went through that culminated in me feeling numb and apathetic and the opposite of what I had hoped to be at the point in my career. And so if I can help people to understand how to steer clear from this, or if they're facing that, how to pull out of it, uh, that's what I was trying to do with this book. I just think it's really, really powerful. What, you know, I, I'm drawn back to you know going through the book and um, really those four pillars um, that are are what what are the the passion struck model, the the mindset shifts, those behavior shifts, uh, the deliberate actions, and then that intrinsic motivation. Um, man, we could we could go we could go at all of these, um, and I know. Uh, the book is really kind of broken into two parts, right? Where where that first part is focused on the mindset shifts, and then part two is more about those um, intentional behavior changes. I think I think where I would like to go, um, and and I'm hoping my listeners will agree with me on this. I want to talk about essential be- intentional behavior changes because um, I, I think we we talk a lot about mindset mindset shifting, um, but that that next piece. That, that changing your behavior and being intentional with changing your behavior is something I talk about frequently um, as a leadership coach, that as leaders, number one, we got to be clear. And number two, we have to be really intentional about what we do. So, so I really do want to get into being intentional with, with those behavior changes. I, I think that's just such a, such a great piece. And so, so I'm going to say this, I'm going to, I'm going to list the six and then which, whichever, I don't know, one or two or three you want to jump on and just chase whatever is in your mind today, John, let's do that. So, um, intentional behavior changes, anxiety optimizer, the originality embracer, the boundary magnifier, the outward inspire, the gardener leader, and the conscious engager. What, what are one or two that are just like jumping up at you right now? And like, oh man, I want to talk about this. And I know all, all six are yours. So it's probably all six, but just let's run with that. Well, Darren, let me just take one step back and, and give the audience kind of a setup for how this all comes together in this model. Yeah, um, perfect. These mindset shifts that you brought up are really clarifying your why. Why do you do the things that you do? And they influence how 
you end up approaching challenges and opportunities that come about in your life. And when you start shifting these, it's deeply rooted in connection with passion and it sets the stage for consequent changes in behavior. So then the behavior shifts are really there once our mindset has been recalibrated. And this is where the role of perseverance in our life becomes crucial because our behavior is the what, and it's a direct reflection of your mindset dictating how we actually pursue our goals. And then the third area you brought up is deliberate action, which is how you put the two of these into practice and it becomes kind of the where and the when that you end up taking the actions to facilitate either a mindset shift or a behavior shift. But to your point, um, I came up with six, uh, and there are also six mindset shifts. And the first one I would probably talk to would be the anxiety optimizer. And this one was really profound to me because I was reading some research that uh, the management consulting firm McKenzie did after examining thousands of high-performing leaders, and they found that leaders who could put themselves purposefully into the state of optimal anxiety performed 400% higher than their peer group. But what was more astounding to me was that they were able to achieve in two hours what their peers were doing in eight. And why it mattered so much to me is if you could do so much more in less time, it opens up a whole wellspring of ways to shift how you're leading your life and how you're putting it into more balance. So really what this whole concept about is about is how do you transform nervous energy into productive fuel? And the image I like to give people is how do you get yourself on the edge without going over the edge. And in this chapter, I ended up interviewing uh, Navy, retired Navy SEAL Mark Devine and NASCAR racer Jesse Ouija. And I really like the way that Jesse Ouija thinks about it. Um, when he was starting out racing, he was a bit too timid at times. And what would end up happening is the racers behind him would expect him to, to drive more aggressively and he would end up breaking out. And then he went to the other extreme where he was trying to, to take the car to too much of going over the edge and he wrecked out as well. So for him, it became, how do you find that balance where you're pushing yourself enough, but not over that tipping point. And this is something that Stephen Kotler has done a lot of research on. Some of the listeners might know of him. He's the author of Art of the impossible, but it's really about how do you create the peak performance equation in your life, this balance between stress and calm. So that's what uh, that whole chapter is about. And I break it down into the different ways you can do it. And I end up giving practical exercises at, at the end. I don't know if you had any additional questions in one area. Oh man, I'll tell you what, you know, that that's one that, uh, that one really resonates with me you know, just finding that, that balance. And I think, uh, to be honest with you, uh, with most leaders, uh, that's, that's a big challenge, you know, where, um, you know, when do I push harder on my team, on myself? Um, when do I pull back a little bit? How do I find essentially that sweet spot that you're talking about 
when it comes to to performance and to connect that to anxiety, I just think is so interesting. Um, maybe just I don't know. Can we talk a little bit more about some of the research behind how how you find that true sweet spot? And maybe I don't know. Is maybe something from uh, from those those questions uh, at at the end of the chapter? Something to to take our audience a little bit deeper on on finding that balance. Yeah, so one of the major areas of behavior science I go into in this area is something called both and thinking. And I think this is extremely important for the educators who are listening to this or their students is so often we've been brought up kind of with stoic wisdom that really breaks things down into either or perspectives. It's really linear thinking. And so what I try to talk about in this chapter is the power of of both and thinking in how we're approaching how we're creating this optimal anxiety. So part of this both and thinking is that you need to be able to think about that you want to put yourself on the end and you want to catch yourself before you're spiraling because awareness is half the battle one. So it's important to understand when that unease starts creeping in, kind of that prickly feeling that we all have that things are about to get really, really hairy. Yeah. That's your view. The next thing is, uh, I am a firm believer in doing a deep breathing, breathing exercises. It's something that I learned uh, when I was part of the Navy SEAL teams, um, ironically. And it's something that I highlight in this chapter with Mark Devine, himself a Navy SEAL. And so when you're feeling this unease, you can dial it back with deep breaths. It sounds cliche, but breathing exercises are like hitting pause during an action movie. And the one that I advocate for in the book, because it's the easiest one to do, is just box breathing. Um, in four, out four, in four, out four, just like you're looking at the size size of box. But there are many other ones that I use. And then the last thing I would give people to as a takeaway is pace, don't race. Keep challenges, keep your tasks challenging yet attainable. And I like for people to remember Goldilocks, not too hard, not too easy, just right. Because overwhelm leads us astray from our path. So those would be three things that I would uh, encourage people to do. I love that so much. I think it's fantastic. I, I, I want to hit one more uh, in this in this area, and I, I know it's an area that um, typically leaders uh, definitely. I mean, I'll I'll speak for uh, for school level leaders, district level leaders, and education that we struggle with, and that's boundaries. And and so boundary magnifier is an element that you talk about here. Um, give us a little bit of insight into the chapter on boundary magnifier and maybe some things that leaders can take away from that chapter to help them to, I guess, keep that, keep that passion burning. So a lot of the, the later chapters build on concepts that come out of the beginning chapters. So for instance, then the first principle I talk about being a mission angler which is really about how you go about the principle of life crafting. And then the chapter that precedes this is about the origin, originality embracer, which is really about how do you exploit your uniqueness in the world? 
this chapter, Boundary Magnifier, really builds off of the third chapter um, called the Mosquito Auditor, which is really how do you audit out those invisible influences on your life, those boundary destroyers who we all confront. And so this Boundary Magnifier is kind of once you do the audit, then how do you start setting the boundaries and enforcing your personal limits? And in this chapter, I highlight the work of Gretchen Rubin, um, who people probably know for her work on happiness. But she and I had this really deep conversation that at the core of knowing yourself really sits this whole idea that you have to give yourself both goals, but also self-compassion. And one of the best ways that you can give yourself self-compassion and self-care is by setting these boundaries in your life so that people aren't overstepping their bounds and then crushing this wall that you're setting up as an inner sanctuary. So an important thing here is, to me, setting boundaries is more than just saying no. It's about creating, as I was just saying, this healthy space for yourself where your energy and well-being are prioritized. And here's just some tips that I would give on how to do it. The first is you got to identify your limits. The first step is really about what tasks or behaviors do you find drain your energy? Is it constant interruptions? Is it multitasking or negative office gossip? Consider also your emotional and mental limits. How much strength can you possibly handle before it affects your work quality or mental health? Um, and then once you've understood what those limits are, it's acknowledging that they're legitimate and that they're worth protecting. And I find that this step is often overlooked. Uh, and then once you do that, the next step is to communicate those boundaries clearly. You need to state your limits and explain the rationale behind them. And this helps other people to understand your perspective and makes it more likely that they're going to respect your boundaries. And then the fourth thing that I talk about is the need to be consistent. And I think this is something that we all fail on, including myself, is we start going out and setting these new boundaries, but then we often hit resistance from other people when we're trying to, to assert what we would like to have in our life. And so what we tend to do is we take a couple of steps back and we walk ourselves back from this boundary that we've just established. And to me, that's the worst thing you can do because consistently enforcing your boundaries means setting the boundaries and then sticking to them. If you're communicating one thing and then you start to change it, it's going to have a negative reaction to the goal that you're trying to pursue because it's going to make people typically double down on the behaviors that are causing you discomfort to begin with. And then lastly, this all leads to the importance, as I was talking about with Gretchen Rubin, that setting boundaries is an act of self-care. And it's about recognizing your work and giving yourself permission to prioritize your well-being. Man, it's just, it's just so good. Uh, again, I know that that's something, uh, cer certainly something I struggled with as a school and as a district level leader. Um, educators, you guys know this, you are, and you're just so selfless and so you know, just wanting to pour into others so often that, man, having those boundaries in place and and definitely holding to those boundaries, um, 
not just not just good self-care but it's also good leadership you've got to be able to do those things man john we could we could riff on these just just for hours to be honest with you i'm loving this conversation so much but there, there is one other thing i want to get to before i ask you the last question um, I do here uh, on the show, um, and that's that's your podcast. So um, you know, here's not only do you have the book uh, Passion Struck, but you've also got the podcast. Uh, again, it's it's one of the top, if not the top, alternative health podcast um, that's out there. You've had some incredible guests, and it's it's not your typical self improvement podcast. That's the thing that I love about this show. I mean, you really dive into the science of human behavior change. Um, you kind of, I don't know, like lift the fog away from how action and motivation are, are connected. And uh, what, uh, what astonishes me is that you are dropping episodes three times a week. Uh, it just amazes me um, how, you, how you are just getting after it with this podcast. Maybe just share a little bit uh, with folks. Um, why tune into Passion Struck? What, what are they going to get when they jump on an episode of Passion Struck? And by the way, folks, I listen to Passion Struck. You definitely want to check out this show. Well, and, and Darren, I listened to your to your show. I, I loved your beginning of the year episode that you did all on leadership. And there was, I can't remember your guest's name, but you did one recently where she was talking about um, how people like we were just talking about destroy boundaries you had you had a situation where a teacher where a parent came in and they really abused the boundary and were using um, four letter words and and what i liked about what she had to say was that it's it's not acceptable for that to happen and you need to put the proper boundaries up yourself so i i, I thought that was a really good episode i can't yeah. remember your guest's name uh, it was Lisa Perry. Lisa uh, Perry was that was that guest. Yeah, that was a really good episode. That one was a lot of fun. Yeah, Lisa Perry. Um, you're right. Well, so I when I was creating this, um, there are a lot of self help podcasts out there. Uh, but what I find, and I hate to say this, is that some of the get or some of the hosts that are leading these, I mean, they they talk a great game, but I didn't think that they were backing it up with really the science behind why do these things work? And so what I try to do on the show is if I'm gonna bring different concepts on, I like to do it in two ways. I like to bring on what I call everyday heroes who are using some of these behavior changes or psychology or, or health um, changes and showing how it took a regular person and changed their life. but. I also then like to bring on the actual experts because there's nothing like having Angela Duckworth on to discuss the importance of self-control. There's nothing like having Thomas Curran on, who's one of the, the foremost experts in perfectionism to discuss why it happens and its ramifications. Or I think one that would be really good for this audience is I had, uh, Jennifer Brahimi Wallace on the show to talk about um, achievement culture, which I saw really impact my daughter as she was going through high school and the constant pressure she was putting on herself. And so what, what I like to do is give out the topic, but then have people come and talk about what's causing it. What is the science behind it? And what can you do scientifically to break through? So. And then I like to do solo episodes 
um, every week, and I teach these randomly. But it's just a lot of them I get from things that I see going on in the news that people are struggling with or people write in to me and ask me to do one on them. But I just try to cover different things that I think the, the listenership can, can learn from. So that's, that's kind of been my approach. And I try to just be as authentic as I possibly can on the show and as vulnerable as I can, because let's face it, uh, the only way you're going to know if this stuff works is by doing research on yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. That's again, folks, it, it's a great podcast. Make sure that, uh, that you tune into that. We'll make sure we have it uh, linked down in the show notes. Um, me search, man, I, I just absolutely love that phrase. I'd never heard anybody use that before and, and you've used it a couple of times on here. I think that's fantastic. So, so John, let's do this. We're at the, that point in the show where I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody. Uh, this is the leading into leadership podcast. So John miles, how are you leaning into leadership right now? Darren, I'm really glad you gave me the opportunity to be here and to end on this question because leadership is something that I've been studying for well over 35 years now. And I wanted to go back to that podcast that you did at the beginning of the year because you were talking about leadership and you were talking about that you felt that we as leaders needed to start changing. And I couldn't agree with you more. I would say that for most of my career, the leadership style that I used was a servant leader. And it served me well, but I think times are changing. And so one of the things I call for now is gardener leadership, which is really leading with intention. Just as a gardener tends to their, their plants, the gardener leader intentionally nurtures their team's growth. So this process really is about having a deep understanding of each individual's unique talents, their potential. It's really getting to know, know them both in work and outside of work. And when I look at what Gartner, Gallup, others are saying out there is that 85% of employees want to feel that they're valued for their complete self, yet only 40% of employers are actually doing it. So this whole leadership approach is really about the concept of being eyes on, hands off. And it touches on one of the most important things that you talked about in, in that episode, and that is being ambitious. I think this having ambition, but being humble about it is at the core for what leaders need to do in the future. I can't tell you how important it is to have humility in the way that you're you're leading. It's okay to, to have that ambition, but where this hands-on, where this eyes-on, hands-off comes into play is, I think as a leader, what you really need to do is to instruct, to give the guidance for how you want, let's take this to school to perform, give the tools for the teachers that you have at the school to be the best they possibly can at performing their job, but it means you've got to be hands off at the same time. You can't be in there observing them teaching their class and micromanaging everything that, that they're doing. You've got to give them enough information and ammunition to cultivate the kids that in the way that you want, but be hands off in the way that they're actually pursuing it. So that would be my biggest leadership tip that I'm talking about right now. 
Man, I just love that so much. You and I are like 100% on the same page, man. It's, it is important that leaders show up a little bit differently now. I'm, I'm like you, you know, want to be that servant leader. You know, when, when I completed my master's degree, you know, boy, it was all about wanting to serve and serve and serve. But there is definitely, you know, a point in time where, where people will take that a little bit too far. And to the point where they're micromanaging without realizing that they're micromanaging because they're just doing things for people. Uh, man, putting that trust in them, allowing them to feel seen, heard, valued, and trusted in their place of, of work, um, whether that's in the business world, whether that's in the education world, or, or any other space, I, I agree with you um, 100%. That is definitely where we need to see leadership go coming forward. Um, man, what, what an incredible conversation, John. I just loved every second of this. How do people find you? How do they get in touch with you? How do they buy this book? How do they find your podcast? Finding me is very easy. You either go to passionstruck.com or johnrmiles.com. And there you can either place you can find the book, find the podcast, find everything about me. Um, so I really appreciate you having me on the show and I especially always love talking to a fellow podcaster. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, um, definitely. John, thanks so much for joining me here on leaning it to leadership. We'll put all of John's contact information, links to go get his book, all of that stuff down in the show notes. John Miles, thank you for joining me on leaning into leadership. Man, what a great conversation with John Miles. I uh, really appreciate him coming on the show here and sharing that passion struck mindset sharing the framework with us and certainly talking a little bit more about his book and his podcast. Uh, make sure you get down there in the show notes and check out John's stuff. Hit those links, get in there, go grab a copy of his book and look into his stuff. Like I said early, um, I'm a fan of the show. I listen to the podcast and uh, I certainly enjoy um, listening to what John has to offer. He certainly brings a lot of great things to the table. So again, thank you, John, for being on the show. And now it's time for a pep talk. Now let's stay with the theme of burnout for today's pep talk. Uh, you might have heard me say this before, but you know, ultimately you cannot be burned out if you were never on fire. One of my favorite quotes uh, comes from a mentor of mine, a gentleman named Mike Lopiccolo. And I know that when Mike made this statement, his, his intent was to remind those around him that there was something that initially lit your fire. And you can't be burned out if you've never had that initial spark. Every one of us, as we go through different seasons in our life, will have moments when the fires are really roaring and other moments when the flame maybe, maybe fades a little bit. You know, sometimes we just need to add a little more fuel. Sometimes we need to add a little more oxygen to that flame. But sometimes we need to change the fuel. And don't think for a moment that that's a bad thing. That doesn't certainly mean that you have to change your career or you have to completely juggle up or change things in your life. But the message from John today is about really being intentional, about remembering what it is that truly, truly sets you on fire, that allows you to feel like you're living a life of purpose. And if you're doing that, man, lean into it and continue to fan the flames. But if you're finding yourself with the flames kind of getting doused, Find that new energy, find that new fuel to keep the fire burning. I'm a great example of this. Folks, I've been an educator for a long time, and it's gone in a lot of different phases. 
I was a classroom teacher. I was a principal. I was a superintendent. And now I still consider myself an educator. You know, not only am I teaching at the collegiate level, but I'm doing all this work coaching and growing leaders, helping schools to improve the culture and the climate in the school and in the individual classrooms. You know, for me, that flame is still the same. It's the same spark. I've just found different fuel to continue to feed my fire. That's sometimes what we have to do. Sometimes we need to be willing to think about it a little bit differently. How can we lead a life of service? How can we lead a life where we pour into others and maybe just find a way to do it a little bit differently? Hey, I'm always here to visit with you. If you have some questions about that, if you'd like to talk a little bit more, I'd love to hear from you. Also, folks, I would love for you to go down, um, hit the hit the five stars and give us a review on the podcast. Those reviews, um, those, those ratings make such a big difference in terms of how our show gets shared, how our show gets discovered by other people who are looking to lean into leadership. So thank you for all that you do. Get out there and have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.